0: Are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network. I'm your host, Brian Peacock, back with you once again. And it is a Monday episode, which means it's going to be a rapid react episode. I'm going to go over everything we saw from Sunday's season opener week one Loss in Minnesota to the Vikings 24 16, the final. The 49ers did fall short in week one. There are some things to be discouraged about from the 49ers' start to the 2018 season, some things that we can take away. I think that you could look at as positives from this game as well. An eight point loss at the hands of the Minnesota Vikings, who were most likely going to be a playoff team in 2018. So it was a good barometer to start the year. And back to the drawing board for Kyle Shanahan and his boys. And I think you're going to see a lot better game in week number two. But we've got to break everything down that we saw in week number one. So game notes, takeaways. I'm going to give out some game balls at the end of this show uh, to some 49ers that uh, displayed something I really liked out there on Sunday. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review the show. We're on iTunes. We are on Spotify. We are everywhere. You can follow me on Twitter, At BD Peacock, that's the best place to get those mailbag questions in. We're going to move up the Winky Wednesday to a little Winky Tuesday action. So uh, Nick Winkler will be my guest on Tuesday's show. So get those mailbag questions in either on Twitter at BD Peacock or via email lockedon49ers at Gmail. Let's get into this football game, shall we? I actually almost turned it off from the start. When I saw the tweets coming down, 49ers inactives, number thirteen wide receiver Richie James Jr., I'm thinking, what? Richie James gotta be the centerpiece of this offense. But no, his takeover of the NFL is gonna have to wait to week two because he was one of the inactives, along with uh Malcolm Smith, man, still has not played a game for the 49ers. Now he's dealing with a hamstring, and it seemed to get worse over the course of the practice week leading up to week one. And uh, as we'll get into later, it was a bit of a problem, I think, that Malcolm Smith couldn't play in this game. The 49ers uh, were lacking in some range at linebacker, I think, in this one. Eric Magnuson's going to be out for a while. He was inactive, and new offensive lineman Matt Tobin and Sean Coleman also missing this game, as was rookie 7th rounder. So both 7th rounders, Richie James and Julian Taylor, inactive for the 49ers. And I really like how the Niners came out in this one. DeForest Buckner, Solomon Thomas completely getting the backfield stuff in the run on the second play of the game. And that's something that needed to be a theme in this game. And I thought they needed to take advantage of that weak interior offensive line of the Vikings, missing Pat Elf line, their young star center. And so you you would hope that that would be where the 49ers would be able to gain advantage on offense. You've got a quarterback who's a veteran, but he's playing for the first time with a new team uh, under a new offensive coordinator. So, You would hope that they'd come out a little bit sloppy and the 49ers might be able to uh, get something going against them earlier. And and it did take the Minnesota Vikings a little bit to get going offensively. Uh, Unfortunately, it took the Niners a bit as well, and the 49ers really didn't click on offense in the entire game. But um, one of the things I really saw on that first drive and really early in the game in the the first couple of drives, it was pretty clear that the 49ers this season are going to rotate very heavily on the defensive line. We saw Sheldon Day in for Buckner on the first drive. Buckner comes back in and then gets the first of his two-and-a-half sacks on the day. DJ Jones in on the first series. Uh, He single-handedly ruined a Dalvin Cook run at the line of scrimmage, setting up a third down. So, um, And then Ronald Blair, Eric Armstead, Buckner, Cassius Marsh. That was one of the um, pass rush alignments there on the defensive line that got pressure on Cousins to force their first punt. Tons of rotation. There was Buckner, Thomas, Earl Mitchell, Eric Armstead, DJ Jones, Ronald Blair, Sheldon Day, and Cassius Marsh all working in. So eight different defensive linemen worked in on the first just the first series alone for the 49ers. Uh, what this is funny because I wrote this note down after the first series of the game, watching Cook getting outside of Brock Coyle on a dump off pass and making it look too easy getting out into space. I just wrote that Brock Coyle in place of Reuben Foster might be a problem for the 49ers in this game uh, with an athletic running back like Cook and the quick receivers that the Minnesota Vikings have. And that would be very true. I didn't realize how true that would be. And it's actually a bigger problem than I even thought there early in the first quarter. Uh, the Niners' first drive started deep in their own territory around the five yard line, Alfred Morris and Matt Breida both lined up running back in the first series and they would split carries the entire game. It was really the hot hand early was Alfred Morris. And you thought he was going to kind of run away with the thing. And then at some point he stopped getting carries and started getting stuffed routinely. Then Matt Breida ended up taking over and having, statistically what was the better rushing day at the end of that game. But uh, both players lining up in there, but uh, the 49ers offense really didn't get off the ground too much early in that football game. Then later in the first quarter, Minnesota sort of started to get um, oh, one more pass. I do want to mention there in that first drive of the game. And this was kind of a theme with Garoppolo. Garoppolo's got some guts, almost borderline overconfident sometimes, trying to fit some passes in. And he's got pinpoint accuracy, which I love. But the first drive of the game, third down pass, he tried to force it to George Kittle between three defenders. And some passes you're like, oh, man, he got it in there between these defenders. How did he do that? And then some passes you're thinking that's not smart, even though it didn't end up that bad, you know? It was just an incomplete pass. wasn't like a pick. But there was three defenders there, a little tip or something. Um that can end up bad very quickly. So I think Garoppolo, whether or not he's making the right reads or, or whatever, just when he when he doesn't see it there and it's not open, and sometimes he has can anticipate it and throw somebody open. But if it's not there, man, he's thrown into coverage a few times and it did end up biting him in this game. But it didn't on that first drive. Uh, Cousins did start to get things going a little bit with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen into 49ers territory on their next drive. uh, But the 49ers, and and this was key, and really what they did all game long is it was was sort of a bend-don't-break situation for the 49ers where when Minnesota, even when they did start to have a nice little drive, the Niners did a pretty good job of stopping it. And the 49ers' defense, although not perfect, kept giving the ball back to the 49ers and gave them a chance to win the game late when I thought there was a chance it was going to be a blowout. But, um, the, the first guy i got to point out here, this is when Fred Warner really started to show up for me in the first quarter, and I thought, yeah, okay, this is looking good. I like what I'm seeing from Fred Warner, just moving around, moving really well, instinctive, getting to the ball quickly, stuffing plays behind the line of scrimmage multiple times. On this drive, it was a Dalvin Cook run just right at the line of scrimmage. It might have been a short loss or a short gain, but Fred Warner really reading things quickly, uh, the blocking was pretty – or the, uh, the defensive line was taken on blocks pretty well up front for him to go float to the ball. And then uh, getting off the field on third down, a one Williams blitz out of the slot. The slot corner coming on a blitz, and he came pretty much free, and he got pressure on Cousins. And that would um, – in that drive, Minnesota would settle for a field goal. They would take the 3 nothing lead there. But it was pretty key what – the 49ers wanted to do early on defense as far as trying to make up for a lack of outside pass rush is Occasionally throw in a blitz uh, A fresh rotation of defensive linemen to try to keep people fresh and getting after the quarterback I think that's part of it. It allows them to have that all gas no breaks mentality Even though I think at some point the, the defensive line still did get pretty gassed by the end of the game But I think that's the plan Chris Kiffin the pass rush specialist for the 49ers along with defensive coordinator Robert Sala, that's what they want to do. They want to rotate a bunch of defensive linemen. They've got a lot of them on the roster to work with, keep them fresh, keep them coming after the quarterback, all gas, no breaks, and then occasionally throw in you know, a well-timed blitz or a stunt or something like that to help them try to create some pressure on the quarterback. But really aside from DeForest Buckner in this game, that pass rush did fall flat and and. They came out blazing and it looked like they were gonna have a good day on the defensive line and it just sort of petered out a little bit for the 49ers, even though the defense did hold up pretty well overall. I, I was kind of excited for the pass rush early in the game, and it sort of tailed off aside from uh, DeForest Buckner, who really uh that first sack he-, he beat his man and in in you know, in a hurry, in short order. The other two sa- or the other sack and a half that DeForest Buckner had in this game was uh, hustle sacks, where his first move was thwarted, but he ended, he kept coming. And I love that about DeForest Buckner. And a lot of the best pass rushers have this trait is they keep coming, they keep coming, they keep coming. They finally end up working off a block. The quarterback has to step up because coverage is good. And then, boom, then they end up getting hit. And Buckner was able to deliver that. And uh, I thought it should have been pretty much three sacks, but he got credit for two and a half sacks. Ronald Blair got the other half on uh, Buckner's last sack. So after a quarter of play, it was pretty well uh, sort of like a feeling out period. Uh, There was a couple of drives that took up a little bit of time but didn't put a lot of points on the board. 3 nothing Vikings after one quarter. And I thought I liked what I saw from the 49ers coming out of the gate. I liked that. Uh, the Vikings kind of came out and and it was a slow start for them offensively. Both defenses looked like they were up to the challenge and it might be a low-scoring game, but that the 49ers were were definitely going to be in it from the start. So it was a promising beginning, I think, for the 49ers, even though the offense really didn't get it going at all in the first quarter. Did start to get a little bit worried, though, as it got into the second quarter, and there was a telling stat that came down I saw on Twitter from Matt Barrows. It was net yards. Uh, at some point in early to mid-second quarter, net yards, Vikings 130 yards to the 49ers 18. So that's how anemic the 49ers offense started in the game. And by the way, speaking of Matt Barrows, we got a special deal for you listeners here of Locked On 49ers. We've got you guys a little bit of a deal. If you want to sign up for The Athletic, if you want to give it a shot, which is well worth it at this deal, 40% off, go to theathletic.com slash Locked on 49ers. All of Matt Barrow's 49ers stuff, which is fantastic, is there. Pop-up free. No autoplay videos happening right there. Just a really elegant front page. I love it. Uh, It's just really easy to read and tons of great contributors over there. Of course, David Lombardi as well, doing 49ers stuff for The Athletic. I love the content from Ted Wynn, who uh, my friend Adrian calls Nice Guy Teddy Wynn. (laughs) <laughs> He's a Raiders guy at heart, but uh, also does a lot of 49ers stuff and does a lot of stuff across the NFL. He has a really cool uh, film piece where he breaks down what the 49ers running backs were going to look like post Jarek McKinnon. National NFL team of Jay Glazer, Lindsey Jones, Mike Lombardi, Ross Tucker, uh, Dane Brugler doing some draft stuff. It's just fantastic writers over there. They've really collected some good people. And it really is what I think writers and sports writers wanted that the internet. Sports writing front page to look like. You know, when you open up your sports page, the elegant looking sports page, The Athletic kind of nailed it, and that's what it should look like. So if you want to try The Athletic, 40% off, go to TheAthletic.com slash locked on 49ers. And let's be honest, it's worth it alone for just the pop up free Matt Barrows 49ers content. TheAthletic.com slash locked on 49ers for 40% off. And you couldn't hold Kirk Cousins down for long. He really started to find his rhythm. And he dropped an absolute dime to Stephon Diggs for a touchdown. And the Vikings took that 10 nothing lead and with how anemic the offense was for the 49ers. And by the way, Akello Witherspoon in good coverage, he just didn't turn the head and, and get up there and, and make a play on the ball. But, I mean, Cousins dropped that ball right over Akello Witherspoon's head into the arms of Stephon Diggs for the touchdown down the left sideline. Akello was I mean, he's right there. He had great coverage, just had to turn the head and maybe finish the play. But, you know... What are you going to do about a perfect throw on uh, that go route down the left sideline? And uh, that play was actually set up before that, and that was where the Brock Coyle stuff started to come in. So, uh, well, on this play, the 49ers brought a blitz. They brought both Warner and Coyle, and they didn't get home. And this is when you blitz and you don't get there, it can really screw you. And it did on this play. Cousins is able to dump it off to Cook, and he got by. And I think his responsibility should have been Kawan Williams at that point, but he kind of missed him coming out of the backfield and he had wide open room to run, and then that set up the pass from Cousins to Diggs and uh, put Minnesota up 10 to nothing. Um, But even when it wasn't a situation where the linebackers blitzed, Brock Coyle was just not getting to the corner. He was not able to cut off Cook, and, man, it really created some big plays. He wasn't getting out there and, and able to cover that ground, and in this cover three scheme, you really need those athletic linebackers. There was a, a Kirk Cousins scramble play where I think if Reuben Foster was in the game instead of Brock Coyle, he might have ended Kirk Cousins' life because he would have been able to run him down. And, like, you know, he would have been hitting the deck. Instead, Cousins was able to scramble to the sideline and get past the sticks and get a first down and keep a drive alive. So just big plays like that were just a small couple steps. The difference it would be between Brock Coyle to Reuben Foster, uh, I think, made a huge difference multiple times in this game. And really, the tackling could have been cleaner, I think, for the 49ers, as well as the pass rush. Those are really the things that you could say, uh, Might have hurt the 49ers in this game. But otherwise, I mean, keeping the, the Vikings to 24 points, there was a point in this game where I thought it was going to be a blowout for the Vikings. And the 49ers defense did keep them in it. And they kept giving the ball back to the 49ers, especially late when you kept thinking after each drive, up, that's over, it's done. And the 49ers get the ball back again and had another shot. And the offense just in the end could not get it done. Fred Warner was an animal in the first half of this game, by the way. He ended the first half with nine tackles, uh, numerous plays around the line of scrimmage. He made plays down the field. I loved the hustle play where on the big run from Dalvin Cook, he ran ran him down down the field and ended up causing the fumble, which got the 49ers the ball back, and the 49ers had a chance to tie the game right before the end of the first half. And at this point, Alfred Morris— showing vision, showing patience as a runner. Five rushes for 39 yards. That's 7.8 yards per carry. At that point, Matt Breida also had five carries for 15 yards. So Alfred Morris was out playing Matt Breida, at least at that point. Uh, They get into the red zone, and they're they're pounding it. Uh, And right on cue, Morris gets stuffed multiple times in the red zone as the 49ers try to push it into the end zone. And then, worst of all, Morris gets stuffed at the line of scrimmage and then fumbles at the one-yard line so long drive 8 plus minute drive for the 49ers and you get no points i talked on the show about how the red zone was going to be important for the 49ers in this football game and how the niners needed to get threes instead of sevens i mean a 3 would have been better than a 0 you definitely can't get zeros when you get to the when you get to the the red zone so and Morris only carried the ball a couple more times after that. He ended up having, he was 11 carries for 38 yards. So basically, or 12 carries for 38 yards. So he was five for 39 at one point. His next seven carries went for negative one yards. So they figured out whatever was going on with Morris because he, he definitely, and those weren't on him and the goal line. He was just repeatedly stuffed. Like the Vikings are a good football team. The Vikings have a lot of good players on that roster and especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, that's why they're going to be a really good team in the NFC this season. And the 49ers even though even still against that team with all that talent, they had so many opportunities to win the game and fumbling at the 1-yard line, throwing interceptions, um just just a little bit off offensively for the 49ers, but you get to the red zone, you at least got to get 3 and you hope for 7, you can't get 0. So instead of tying the game at 10, you go into halftime down 10 to three. And that was a theme for the second half of the game as well. Missed opportunities. There was the, the biggest of which was the 14 point swing. This was the point of the game where you thought, even though there was so much time left in the third quarter, George Kittle just flat out dropping a beautiful pass over his shoulder with room to run. Nobody around him. Just a fl- like one of the worst flat drops you will see. From that play that was potentially a touchdown, a long touchdown catch for George Kittle, The very next play, Mike Hughes intercepts a Jimmy Garoppolo pass uh, with pressure in his face, trying to throw off the back foot. Miscommunication with Kendrick Bourne. Bourne was running like the out, and he was supposed to break it off because of the pressure, and it was supposed to be a hot read. And miscommunication there, whatever it was, pick six, Mike Hughes, rookie corner for the Vikings. who had a pretty good game, takes it to the house. 14-point swing. Instead of the touchdown for Kittle, it's a pick six going the other way. So not only should it have been 17 to 10 49ers, they fumble on the 1-yard line, don't get any points out of that. This touchdown should have made it 10 to 10 at least uh, if they hit both of those things. Now instead of being 17 to 3 Vikings, it's 17 to 10 49ers. But they didn't get down as they did throughout the game. The defense continued to give the ball back. At this point, the defense didn't give the ball back. The offense gave the ball back because it was a pick six. Niners get the ball right back again. But then they went back down and scored. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't phased by it. Uh, Threw a nice pass, uncovered use check out of the backfield. Long gain down the right sideline to the Vikings 20. Already in the red zone. Red zone opportunity. Uh, Garoppolo scrambles for... Four yards, so they end up with a third down play. Garoppolo throws a little bit late to Garcon in the end zone. Again, just a little bit off timing-wise. Garcon tries to go up and make a play in the ball. I think it kind of got his hands. There was defenders all over him. Uh, I think it, I think there were some plays that counted as drops like that one, but it wasn't like the Kittle drop. I mean, it, it was a tough play, but you can't come down with the ball. And again, no seven, you get a three. So 17-6 Minnesota, so it's still like... Third quarter, time's running out. It's getting close to the fourth quarter. you, you got to start hitting some big plays and getting seven points. So just like w- it looked like the route was going to be on, uh, Minnesota went down again and scored 24-6. to Garoppolo pulls out some more magic, and they still are rolling again. Uh, he rolls out of pressure, finds the rookie Dante Pettis, who broke off his route and heads for the back of the end zone. Nice play by Jimmy to salvage a big play out of nothing, rolling out, moving to his left. Chucking it to the back of the end zone. Really pretty play into the soft hands of Dante Pettis. Over the shoulder, catch in the back of the end zone for the touchdown. First touchdown pass of the year for the 49 First touchdown period for the 49ers. Only touchdown of the game for the 49ers. First touchdown in Dante Pettis' young career. Uh, that made it 24-13, keeping the 49ers in the ball game heading into the fourth quarter. And I don't know if you guys were the betting type. Remember the line? We talked about the line with Nick last week and with Jordan, who said, uh, Jordan, he wanted, to, he wanted to take the Vikings even with those six points, and that ended up being the smart bet. Uh, if you guys did bet, I hope you bet with my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in the business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is super easy to use. So make your way to my bookie. They have live in-game betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. For example, when Aaron Rodgers had two fantasy points uh, at halftime and left the game, you could have said, hey, uh, I'll bet a bunch of money. And you probably could have got pretty good odds that Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to end up with 30 fantasy points and you would have made a boatload of cash. How ridiculous was that Sunday night game? Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play. You win. You get paid. On to the fourth quarter. 49ers, again, with an opportunity to stay in this game, maybe to steal this game from the Minnesota Vikings. And Garoppolo makes a bad throw. This might have been a timing thing. Right out of the gate, it looked like, oh, that was a terrible throw. Xavier Rhodes, interception. Garoppolo expected Pettis to run a slant route differently, or it was you know flat-out bad throw by Jimmy Garoppolo. He threw it in front of Pettis. Xavier Rhodes made a good play to make the interception, led him too much on that play. Um, 2013 Shadow 49ers, the first ever Shadow 49er draft pick, Xavier Rhodes, by the way. Uh, but he was there for the interception. And I watched the breakdown later on Twitter. There was a slow motion replay of it. I believe it was Matt Waldman who posted a video and breaking down the play. And he was impressed by the separation that Dante Pettis created on that slant route. And I was too. And then, But you watch the play and you think, oh man, it's so clear now. I, I think I see what Garoppolo was seeing here with the timing of that slant route, because most of the time you see a receiver run a slant route, they're like, boom, boom. They get off the break and bam, they're into the route, right? Uh, what what Pettis did here, which was super effective for creating space, but he took a bunch of steps and kind of made it a mo- like a point guard that's trying to shake a defender takes a bunch of steps, makes move kind of in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, out, and then boom, back in. And I think the timing is what threw Garoppolo off and why he might've been a little sped up on that as if it was like a, you know, it was like a changeup. Like like Pettis' route was sort of a changeup where Garoppolo expected him to break sooner than he actually did. Now, I'm not saying that's exactly why, and it was still a bad throw by Garoppolo, but that might've been the timing issue on that one instead of just as it looked, at the time, to be, to be a terrible throw, it was like, how could you just completely miss the guy? I think it might have been a timing related thing with, with Pettis taking a little bit to get out of the route. And even though he created space and got open, Garoppolo's delivery was, I think, sped up, expecting him to be out of that break a little bit sooner on that interception. But just, and you're like, okay, well, that seals it. Xavier Rhodes interception, that's ball game. But the 49ers defense holds and gives the ball back to the offense. He drives down the field again. Kept alive by a roughing penalty, kind of a uh, you know a, a rough, an iffy call there. I don't like the call in the ones where they drive the quarterback into the ground. But Niners get the call. Dante Pettis gets the big play out of the slot, taking a long pass down the left sideline, running a seven route there, and uh, setting up another red zone opportunity for the 49ers. Down eight. All they need is that one score, the touchdown, and a two-point conversion. Uh, Then Jimmy Garoppolo, this was, I think, a miss on Garoppolo for sure. Misses an open George Kittle in the back of the end zone, just throws high. And when he does miss, he seems to be missing high, uh, which might have been the thing that led to that. So it might have been a little bit of both on that Pettis interception or the Xavier Rhodes interception. Might have been a slow developing route from Pettis, but then Garoppolo just a little bit high, throwing a lot off his back foot where he's not able to step in, kind of backing away from pressure and not getting everything on the pass. Some dangerous passes for sure from Jimmy Garoppolo, some that weren't picked off that could have been, and he still had three interceptions on the day. But this one too high, 49ers settle, settle for a field goal, and uh, then it's, yeah, so the, puts the 49ers within eight points there, 24-16, to 16, a one-score game. And then I think the, the most disappointing play in the entire game happened, and it was fourth down. The Vikings have the ball, and the play clock is running down, and the Vikings are—looks like they're trying to go for it on fourth down, but it's, it's pretty quick that you realize, okay, no, they're just trying to draw 49ers offside before they actually punt down to the 49ers to give them an opportunity to go down and score again. And Solomon Thomas, with one second on the clock, jumps sides. Everybody on the 49ers defense, including Solomon Thomas, I think, knew what they were doing, and somehow he jumped. You know, missing a throw, a bad throw from Garoppolo, a bad read, um, a, a George Kittle drop. All, you know, you screw up physically, and it's like, ah, gosh. But when you have such a mental screw-up like that from Solomon Thomas, uh, that's one I think the coaches are really going to harp on with Solomon Thomas, and they're going to use it as teaching tape, and they're going to show video of it. And that was an embarrassing play. That was by far the worst play of the game, I think, for the 49ers. And... um, yeah, long story short, Garoppolo would get the ball back, would throw his third interception of the game, and the 49ers lose that game 24-16. to 16. So just numerous times the 49ers shooting themselves in the foot, I think, is uh, is the story to take away from that game. So just playing a cleaner game in Week 2, I think the, if they just ran that game back with the, the talent the 49ers have, the way they put it together, the way they were playing the game, they were in it. They were in it from start to finish, even when you thought that the Vikings were going to pull away and blow out the 49ers at one point when it was 24-3 to three or 24-6 to six or whatever it was. The Niners stuck with it, and they stayed in there and they fought back. Um, but they just kept shooting themselves in the foot each time they needed a big play. They made a big play in the other direction, whether it was a drop or that stupid offside penalty uh, or an interception. So 49ers have some things to clean up for sure. But the fact that the defense kept them in it with how bad the offensive played at times I think is a good sign for the 49ers going forward. All right, let's give out some game balls. I've got two game balls to give out here, and then I want to talk about a couple of things that uh, the that 49ers can improve on in Week 2 to help them pull their first victory of the season in the home opener against the Lions in Week 2. Uh, game ball number one, you got to give it to DeForest Buckner. How could you not? Shows up almost matches his sack total from the entire 2017 season in his first game week one in 2018, two and a half sacks. He had three sacks last year, a big showing from DeForest Buckner kept coming. Uh, He he has a nonstop motor. He's a monster of a player. He's one of the better defensive tackles in the league. And there are a lot of really good defensive tackles right now in the NFL. Uh, DeForest Buckner is probably not on the level of Aaron Donald, but he's in another tier behind Donald with some of the better defensive tackles in football and I think this year is going to be the coming out party for DeForest Buckner where nationally he's going to get the credit he deserves and the second game ball goes to Fred Warner ended the game with 12 tackles in his first NFL football game his first start he was all over the place showing instincts showing range showing hustle Uh, there wasn't any of those plays where he was missing tackles and and sort of uh, not following through and driving through tackles there were some other players Joukowsky-Tart and Coyle uh, that were missing some tackles, but Fred Warner was not. He really was rock solid in his debut for the 49ers. I think the 49ers really snagged a good one in the third round in a Fred Warner. He's going to be around for a long time, and I can't wait to see that dynamic pairing with Fred Warner and Solomon Thomas. But uh, what a great debut for for Fred Warner. 12 tackles, a forced fumble. A bunch, he was in the backfield a bunch, just all over the place. So those are my game balls, DeForest Buckner and Fred Warner for week one of 2018. All right. What needs improvement going forward? What can the 49ers do better in week two? Well, and this is, this is the thing that, you know, we're going to harp on some things here. Red zone offense. It was a combination of everything in week one, Alfred Morris fumble, um, he didn't really have anywhere to go, so the offensive line is to blame there against that dominating Vikings defensive line, which, you know, th- that's going to happen sometimes. 49ers' offensive line really got beat at the point of the attack when they were in the red zone, and then those missed throws from Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, those All of those things combined to have a really terrible day in the red zone for the 49ers. When you're playing a really good team, you might not have that many trips to the red zone. you got to make the most of them. you got to try to get sevens, and if you don't get seven, you better damn sure Uh, better be damn sure you get three points and not come up with a goose egg when you are in a scoring range. Uh, and and number two is the pass rush with the exception of DeForest Buckner. And that's going to be a theme because they don't have the bodies. They don't have the players. They don't have the athletic outside rushers. They don't have the guys that can, I'm really worried about when the 49ers play the Seahawks and that escapability that Russell Wilson has, because you saw it in this game with Kirk Cousins who's not, you know, he's not a statue, but he's not the most athletic guy. And him just getting out and, and scrambling for a couple of first downs, um, that's a frustrating thing. And you, you not only want to be able to get the sack of the quarterbacks while they're in the pocket, you want to be able to chase them out of the pocket when they do kind of get away. And the 49ers right now have some push up the middle, but don't have that speed to corral on the outside. So pass rush is going to be an ongoing thing for the 49ers. And along those lines, speed on the outside, and on the second level to corral quarterbacks, chase down ball carriers in the second level. Uh, Reuben Foster's not going to be back in Week 2. But maybe getting Malcolm Smith on the field could help overcome that and uh, maybe play a little bit better than Brock Coyle did. Brock Coyle left the game with a concussion, so even if Malcolm Smith isn't ready to play, maybe Elijah Lee's the guy that's going to get the start. And maybe he's got a little bit more something as far as range factor. I don't think he's just... Smart, or he's not the veteran that Brock Coyle is, but maybe that range is, is needed to be that linebacker next to Fred Warner. So, those are the keys to improve on in week two. Uh, and that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On 49ers, the rapid react episode from week one. I'm going to be back tomorrow with Nick Winkler for an early Nick Winkler appearance, Winky Tuesday. Then we're going to have the crossover episode with Locked On Lions. Wednesday and some great guests to finish up the week. Tracy Sandler and maybe a mystery guest for Friday show. Cause we're at it five days a week. Now we're into the season. We're daily here on a locked on 49ers. So I'll talk to you guys then right here on locked on 49ers.